Hi everyone, I'm your host, Lisa Fazio, and this is Wild Under Root, a podcast about plants, place, and magic. Even if lightning strikes, or if thunder splits the sky, if the mountains fall and rivers overflow, you can never stop a seed from growing. So welcome everybody to this episode of the Wild Under Root podcast. And today it is my honor to be joined by one of the Mohawk Valley's most prominent community activists, Cassandra Harris Lockwood. And if you've lived in the Utica area for any amount of time, you have probably heard her name, especially if you are all involved. (laughs) If you haven't heard her name, you haven't lived in Utica. Um, (laughs) She's involved with many of the community movements, many local action projects. Her projects are numerous. First woman to build her own radio station from the ground up in New York State. In the and, world, oh, not in the world, in, 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 in the United States. In the United States. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's Phoenix Radio. <laughs> I'd believe it. I'd believe it. <laughs> so it's 95.5 FM. And I have, um, you may have heard me talk about this radio station before because I have been a guest on the hot seat, I think about three times now. So and I highly recommend that's at 5 p.m. every day of the week, Cassandra? Monday through, Monday through Thursday. Monday through, Monday through Thursday. And other projects of Cassandra's, which include the Utica Phoenix Independent Newspaper and For the Good, which is an organization that provides low-income residents and their neighborhoods with programs to overcome poverty through their own means. And I have seen this in action most recently at one of the community gardens, which um, the one I was just at was the Linwood Place Community Garden. And I know there's two, correct? Yes. Cassandra? Uh, the other one is where? J, J, J Street. J yes. Street. Mm-hmm. So we're going to talk more about that. And um, also Cassandra is an herbalist. And that was one of the ways we connected. Um, she's like the comfrey channeler. She's like the comfrey. <laughs> <laughs> whisper um and she's a homeopath an equestrian a photographer an artist a mother a musician too i'm a musician and a musician yes Yes. and your juneteenth um and i saw that was on your website that there is the recording for this juneteenth celebration that was held in utica during the pandemic um which it was really a blessing because I think they were thinking they were going to have to cancel it and you all were able to make it so that it was virtual and available to so many more people probably than it would have been if it had been actually live. Truly, truly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So maybe just share with us a little bit, how did you get into activism? Like what motivated you and what led you into your, your, your which was your first project for the good? Well, Okay. For the Good was not my first project, but for, for the Good was the first agency that I started. I launched it uh, mm-hmm. in, back in 2002. But how I got into activism was probably more uh, much earlier than that, is, you know, as, a, as a child. 
you know, and actually, I guess I was a social activist in, as, as a in grade school, um, mm -hmm. you know, it was back in the 50s, you know, a lot of people were calling people niggers without any sort of restraint. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, they do today, too. Right. But, you know, I would defend myself and defend my brother and and. Um, I remember the first day of school when I went to third grade to a new school, the first uh, day a, a kid, you know, the biggest kid in the class called me a nigger and laughed mm. and mocked me. And so I just bided my time till he went out on the playground and I beat him up and made him cry. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and after that, all of a sudden I had all these friends because I think this guy was a bully. Yeah. And in the first day, how was I going to know? Mm. But I had all these friends and I kind of became like the, I would beat up the bullies, mm. you know, on the schoolyard. If somebody was having a problem, <laughs> they would come, he was mean, he kicked me, he pushed me, blah, blah, blah. and I'd step to him with my, with my little, with my little <laughs> crew behind me. Yeah. And we were like, you know, we were, I don't know, we were like the, uh, the liberators on the, uh, yeah. on the, so what? I was, yeah, I was getting, Teresa says I was a vigilante. Vi I was getting, that word came to my mind too. Yeah. Vigilante. What? Yeah. What was, what was a righteous vigilante? You yeah. Know like, I mean? like Robin Hood, right? There, like, you, go. Yeah. there you go. We didn't rob the rich, but we beat up the, the bullies and, you know, yeah. made, but so it started, I, I got into student government in mm -hmm. grade school in an all white school. Right. I got into, I got into, uh, you know, student government, which, really gave me a, a, a platform for justice, you know, that was kind of, the, you know, you learn the, 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 the ways of the, the boards of directors. And that's, I didn't know that that's what it was a training ground for. But mm. when I got to be an adult and I realized that I had a real comfort level because I had been in student government all through my uh, high school, you know, all mm -hmm. through grade school and high school. That this is this is how boards work. So moving the previous question and calling for, you know, calling for um, uh, a vote and different different mechanisms of the board became familiar. Right. So um, that's really how it started. And you know, and 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 then when I was in high school, for God's sake, you know. It was, I, when I was 12 or 13, I was watching people being hit upside the head and dogs and hoses put on them for marching for racial justice. Right. And then, you know, it just became a natural progression from that. And my parents, I have to, you know, acknowledge my parents were, were activists. They encouraged that sort of thing. They would go to marches and they were in different organizations that were, you know, had significance in uh social justice so um yeah i i uh in in uh high school actually i organized the first nonviolent disobedience civil disobedience in upstate new york when i walked out the school and mm -hmm. um it was whitesboro and it wasn't frivolous it was because they had voted down the school budget twice and there was another budget coming up and we were on austerity, you know, they have, didn't have supplies in the biology labs, you know, kids had to walk to school, there were no activities, you know, that sort of thing. So we, uh, student leaders, went to the school board meeting thinking that we would be able to speak and they wouldn't even let us speak. Mm. 
and turned us away. And by the next day, uh, I was thinking about these these uh, young people in in California that were demonstrating and walking out. And I said, well, why can't we do that here? <laughs> so you know, organized it with the leadership of the school and walked out the school, and it was very effective. But before I uh, walked out the school, I called the local radio station. Brilliant. Yeah, and and made a statement and then called the TV station yeah. and had them there because back in those days, man, they'd rough you up, the school principal. Yeah. The oh, vice yeah. principal. So, yeah. you know, we had eyes on them. We had the camera. So, you know, it was an effective, it was an effective uh, uh, action, you know. Yeah, I, you know, it's so funny because I hear so much sometimes um, from people when I, different actions that I've been involved in, would people say, well, they won't let you do this and they won't let you do that. And I always say, they might if you call the newspaper or the That's news. right. You've got to have <laughs> yeah, media. It's the, the fourth estate. You know, yeah. I learned early on that, you know, media, you know, you can have all the actions you want, but you've got to have some eyes on it be to out be there. able to, to, you know, take it to the next level. Like I just got all these photographs from the nurses that, that were protesting a couple of weeks ago. Mm. No, I didn't see anything about them. You know, you've, in order to get your message across, you've got to have the media, you know, you that's do. a tool. It's you a do. tool. And now it's so a lot, it's a lot of it's social media as well. If you can right. get it out on social media, um, right. which that's always <laughs> double-edged sword, but yeah. So, so that's So you started out at a, basically being born into activism, it sounds like, and yep, obviously yep. just have that heart and that um, passion for. Yeah. So, and then you left the, so you grew up in Utica or the Utica area, went to Whitesboro, and then you moved for a while. I know you were in New York City. Well, and- I, I went to college. I went to Kirkland College for, um, for five years. I took a year off mm-hmm. and, and finished in five years. And then I went to New York City for five years. So I came, I left basically in 69 and came back in 79. I was gone for about 10 years. And you came back because you just wanted to be home or? No, I actually, um, in that, during the, the time that I went to college, I got beat up by a cop. And mm-hmm. was a, a, an attorney uh, by the name of Stephen Lockwood, who was my <laughs> defense <laughs> my defense counsel and um like he was married and you know at the at the time that was in 72 mm-hmm. but uh you know it was it takes a long time for those cases to go through mm-hmm. and uh it didn't resolve until 78 something like that by the time he had been you know divorced and you know uh, mm-hmm. i was you know no longer a college student and hardly barely his his um a client anymore you know i signed the papers and that was done mm. but um i came back to marry him mm. yeah. yeah yeah and and to be able to bring something back to this area because i just know how bleak it is to be black and poor and underserved and you know there's this line that i'm i'm uh working with these days it's it's called inequality breeds inferiority Mm. And it's it's tragic because it's such a psychological impact. It's not just uh, uh, an extant uh, process that you go through. It's actually, you know, a, uh, a, a, a the psychological Im- implications that that uh, happen with it too. 
Mm, so inequality breeds inferiority from the perspective of being poor, being black, being a woman. Lack of, lack of resource, lack of, right. of uh, all kinds of things. So, yeah, and it's, you know, uh, you know they, they, they've proven that, you know, there's, the, there's that, um, what is it? This is an experiment that the teacher did in the, in the fourth grade classroom, I think it was, where, um, you know, the blue-eyed kids were yes. given the, have you seen that? How yeah, and I'm trying to remember her name. Do you remember her name? No, I don't. And I just I'll try to put it in the notes. Um, so powerful how quickly those children shifted their consciousness to one of hopelessness, despair, and, and lack of lack of hope it was just or lack of function i mean their function actually mm -hmm. was reduced by given give, being given that designation you know yeah and it was all white kids i'm pretty sure it was all white kids it, yes and yeah. it, it really gave them a, a doorway into you know it's so hard to convey i feel like to others if we haven't ex don't have an experience of various types of oppression if if you're coming from the other side of it and i feel like because i'm i'm white like i've had to find ways into which i could never know you know what it would what it would be like to be black or a person of color but I definitely can find doorways into it. And it's work like that that has inspired me to be like, oh, we can find ways to be able to empathize and be in attunement with, in compassion with how other people are experiencing the world outside of how we are feeling it. So yeah, that's a powerful study. And yeah. I'll try but, to put that in the show notes. I think that in general, you know, after decades, centuries of uh, reinforcing this myth that black people are inferior, you know, you were born into that. It's like a, it's a thought form. Racism is a thought form that's constructed mm. by, by individuals and maintained by individuals and can be deconstructed as well. Mm. And, and, and I believe that's where we are now, but you know, the lack of resource, the lack of resource and um, accessibility to education and, you know, just opportunity is right. it drives it drives that message home it drives it home well it adds like a level of like bricks on top of the already given already <laughs> it's like you know it's like there's already this social construct and then it's like they they layer it up with different like mortar and and so to get out from underneath it is uh requires incredible force and so You've come back into, so you left and then came back into your community and have done so much to give back to the community. So one of the things I definitely want to make sure we touch on is that um, part of our connection is through herbalism and that you came and taught for us at the... Um, the other side, yeah. Yeah, the other side for the Utica Herbal Study Group about comfrey. And so maybe you want to share like a little bit about how you got into herbalism. I know you're homeopath as well and your love for comfrey. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's, it, it's, it's funny because ever since I was a child, I was fascinated with hearing stories about healers that 
the, the, these herbs and people, they use clay, this healing clay. Well, what's that? Because I knew what clay was when it's digging around in the backyard. You hit clay, oh, you can't plant there. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or clay, the stuff that you play around with in school. But what's this other clay, you know? And I didn't have any answers for a lot of that. Um, but just a, a kind of a, a feeling that this there was an affinity that I had for it. Now, my grandfather was a medical doctor and mm -hmm. uh, you know, I didn't have much contact with him, but I was absolutely um, enamored with the fact that he was this high level healer, that he was a doctor. Mm. Uh, and, and, you know, consequently with my, my grandfather being a doctor and my father being an aerospace engineer, my mother was a nurse and I didn't have any inkling of inferiority. Mm. I had an ink, I had a big dose of injustice. Yeah. Which is different, you know, than, um, For sure. you know, and, and, and then the circumstances that I ended up with, I was not unequal. There was no inequality. I went to right. all schools where they were not withholding any information from me that they weren't offering to the other kids. Mm -hmm. And in that environment, I excelled. Right. It's, I, I excelled. I, you know, read well, I wrote well, I did, they did, you know, and so I was, I didn't have any um, thought that uh, I was inferior. And on the contrary, if somebody was bringing it, you know, I was challenging it. Exactly. Right. It, that, that's not a condition of being. Right. That there's not an automatic inferiority, superiority um, consolation. Yep. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And I feel like that's been an uh, important. So for me, it's like, don't make assumptions from my well, perspective. Well, live on that. Some people have their whole existence on that assumption. And, you know, and then when they come and, 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 and there are so many people, so many black people who've been conditioned to believe that it's correct. Mm. Don't like it, but they, you know, they, they have the inferiority of, of having all that inequality of, uh, heaped on them on a continual basis. Um, that, um, uh, yeah, that, that there are some people that, that when they, when white people come into contact with them, it reinforces their right. stereotype so that, um, when, uh, someone like me or some other people I know, like this guy that just walked in here, got no, <laughs> you know, no inclination that there's any inferiority. It, it's stunning to them. It's shocking. And, and they get angry sometimes. They yeah. get angry. Because with with the with the uh, with the appropriate uh, you know access and resource and and um, accommodation of black people, uh, there'd be a whole lot more of me and him running around. Right, because there really isn't any inferiority. I mean, that's <laughs> that's no. a that's a narrative. Right. That that, that continues to feed white supremacy. It's thought form. Right. That's a thought form and it's a big one. It's a bold one. It's, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, across the globe and it's very convenient for people who are robber barons and, and who right. you know want to take advantage. And, you know, the, the whole doctrine of discovery, you know, that, right. that any, you know, in any land that uh, any Christian walks into, if the, if the, if the natives there are not Christian, you can, you know, take what they have, hit them in the head, kill them, rape them, stone them, you know, mm -hmm. make slaves of them. Mm -hmm. So these yeah. are kinds of, of imperialist 
well, I could, we'd call it white, uh, white patriarchal uh, hegemony, mm-hmm. you know, that, that persists today. Oh, yeah. I mean, persistent is really coming to the surface right now. Like, it's, it's rearing right. its ugly head in a big way. <laughs> so you so want, we, you, well, let's talk about herbs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that whole thought when we could spend the whole day. Let's talk about, yeah, so. Um, so, so comfrey. So you got into healing. So this was yeah. all part of it, though, was that you got into healing and, and that you had a family lineage, obviously, of uh, a doctor in the family and and so you, you know, had that maybe in ancestral heritage as well of healing. It was the grandmother speaking to me because mm-hmm. I mean, there were some remarkable things that have happened in, 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 you know, that happened in my childhood that when I look back on them are, were really uh, outstanding, you know, that I, I didn't know. And there was no one there telling me what was going on, but you know, the, the, day uh the night that our dog didn't come home and uh it was like in november and cold and nobody really in the family maybe i was 13 or 14 years old and i said well, i gotta go find the dog you know and i went out and i found the dog and he mm. must have been you know half mile from home but mm. something led me to mm. him i went out and i found blood in the snow i tracked this the the, the blood to where i found the dog Lane had been shot. He'd been shot through his back legs. Oh. And I him up and carried him home. You know, I don't know what there's. You know, there's an intuitive sense with in, in, in nature. I mean, I'm. I find I'm a dog whisperer. I'm a horse whisperer. Mm-hmm. You know, I I uh, my my Lakota name is walks with animals. Mani mm-hmm. But anyway, you know, uh, I you know things like uh, mint growing wild in the in the ditches in marcy you know oh there's mint this is real, something real here you know that there's this substance and a and a, and a, a a benefit and a calling to nature you know if you if you're in it long enough mm. but um yeah healing was something that fascinated me and when i actually i remember being in college and trading massages mm-hmm. and saying oh my god Harris where'd you learn how to do that I didn't learn how to do it I just did it mm-hmm. and when I got to New York City and uh, was studying martial arts because I had had a, a bad boyfriend mm-hmm. that you know realized trying to kill me mm-hmm. <laughs> so, enough of that um, uh, that I, I um, studied martial arts and through the martial arts I learned the healing arts so uh, that was, you know, as far as like laying it down, that was the, you know, when I started um, with that, uh, you know, on, on that path as a, as a, as an understood path, you know, mm-hmm. I have to say the guy that was the one that um, was trying to kill me was also the one that introduced me to meditation, introduced me to the, 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 the phenomenal, uh, uh, properties of comfrey you know mm. so, so comfrey is so maybe maybe some of your favorite herbs and i know comfrey is one of your favorite herbs because yes. because it is ubiquitous for its for what it can do oh my god you know uh, the dog had gangrene it cured the dog from gangrene we mm. we we packed her i i didn't know about a poultice i learned about the poultice and the first poultice I ever used was the comfrey poultice. 
and um, it worked like a charm, like nothing I had ever seen before. You know, I mean, I grew up with methylate and and um, you right. know, um, back tracing and what everybody else did in the you know in the house. But this this herbal thing was just it was uh, I don't can't say it was restorative, but it certainly was. Um, it was such a such a um, what's the word I'm looking for. It was like a deep, but I could exhale. Mm. I said, oh my God, I found it. This is what I've been thinking all these years. And here it is right here. This is one of them, you know? So comfrey was really the first herb that I became familiar with as far as a as healing, healing herb. Um, actually, no, actually, I think aloe, aloe vera was the, the, first, mm-hmm. one, the first one mm. because at, at, I, had, uh, I had been injured and I had a scar and the doctor told me that I was going to have a, a terrible, ugly keloid scar. And here, put this on it. And it was a, you know, a antibiotic salve. And, you know, and I've done this before. I said, so, so if he's telling me that I'm going to have a horrible, ugly keloid scar and put this on it, I will be sure to have an ugly, you know, a terrible keloid scar if I put this mm-hmm. on it. And I said, I'm not going to. Mm-hmm. I knew I knew that vitamin E was good. I knew that um, cocoa butter was good. And I knew that aloe was good. And so I took turns putting them on this wound and it it continued to heal very nicely and without a scar, mind you. And then I decided, let me blend these things together. Let me see if I can mix these together. And that was my first salve. That was how I made my first salve. Was with aloe, aloe, uh, vitamin E, and cocoa butter. Hmm. Sounds like a good one. Then I, then I discovered comfrey and it was years before I made any, really made anything out of it other than just using the herb, but, um, bone break, you know, they call it bone break. Yeah. And one of the, about, uh, comfrey, uh, if you've worked with it is that the root, when you grind, it does harden like a rock, it'll harden right up. Mm-hmm. And it is, um, it is thought that, Comfrey actually um, was the first cast for a broken bone. That that comfrey being oh. molding it on, on the on the broken points would was uh, how they held it together. It was the first cast. Oh, I didn't know that. Wow, that makes mm-hmm. so much sense, though. Yeah, 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 and it does. It hardens like a rock, and it also helps to heal. It brings all the the elantuin to the to the site brings calcium, magnesium. It's a it's a you know mineral rich uh, herb. But you know mm. how did they figure out how to make a cast? You know because there was something else before they had plaster and and cloth. Yeah, that's fascinating. Wow, I learn something every day. You know it's so funny because it's like you think you could you know everything there's to know about comfrey and it's like I'm. <laughs> That's what I love about plants. There's just always something else. They, they, yeah. talk, they talk to you. Yeah. So you have a really great, I don't know if this is something you can share or not, because this is maybe a secret recipe, but you have a really great comfrey poultice that you yes. make. Is that something you can, you feel like you can share? Sure. And, you know, I've made it um, over the, the last about three years, you know, finally, I knew that comfrey was good and I used to, 
I, I remember my husband uh, once was playing across the, the yard with the boys and he stumbled in a, uh, a hole that uh, one of the horses had made and twisted his ankle. He heard the pop and everything. And uh, he was howling in pain. And I went and got the, got comfrey and just, you know, mushed it up and packed his ankle with it and wrapped it in with, with um, uh, a bandage and took him to the, to the hospital <clears throat> where they did a test on him and said, and they said, well, my God, why isn't this more swollen? And why aren't you howling? And they, mm. what's the, Stuff, and it was the comfrey. So I said, how do we get this stuff to be able to stick on something? You know, we make a, make a, a, a blaster, make, make a poultice out of it. And, um, you know, with the, with the root, it's pretty easy. Um, but with the herb, not so much because it's, it's a little prickly, you know, it's a little prickly and, and, and very uh, fibrous. So uh, I started, you know, working with the root. It depends on if you're working with the root, if you're working with the flower, or you're working with the leaves. Right, of And uh, the comfrey, the, I, the, the root is really the best. It's the toughest to get, but it's really it the best because it's, it's stronger and it's smoother. It doesn't have the prickle that the leaf does it, right. because the leaf will cause you the itch, you know, and yeah. some people's skin is sensitive, <clears throat> but... Anyway, so it's basically um, what I do is I get a, a, an aloe leaf, get the whole aloe leaf, and you can get it for like two dollars at the at the store now. Yeah. And and um, so you want to fillet out the flesh. You're probably not going to use the last five or six inches because it's just uh, you know it's just pointy. Mm -hmm. um, but you you know you strip off the, the the spines on the side, lay it down, and fillet it like a fish. Mm. And uh, so then you take the um, the pulp and put it in a blender and blend it up. And if you've got about two cups, if you've got like about two cups of of frothy aloe pulp and juice, and don't forget when you when you do fillet the uh, pulp from the from the peel. You have to scrape the skin. You scrape the 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 um, the juice and the the um, material between the outer layer and that inner layer. That's really where the potency is. Is mm -hmm. that like a sap? There's the yellow gooey sap. And what I usually do is scrape it out on a um, wax paper and just like let it drip into let it drip into the blender mm. and blend that up. If you, about, if you have about two cups of that, um, that aloe juice, pulp, whatever, then you put in about at least a half a cup of the, and maybe closer to a cup of the ground root, the chopped, the chopped up root, chop up the root, wash it well, you know, scrub it well, get a lot, a lot of the black um, outer uh, skin off of it chop it up, throw it in the blender, and then let the, the aloe be the liquid that brings the, the uh, comfrey to a paste to where it rolls over in itself. And then I take the, then I take the, um, that mixture out of the blender and put it, and put it in the, um, in a bowl 
and add the clay, add the bentonite clay. Okay, bentonite and clay. You basically, bentonite clay, and then you um, just fold that into the until it um, uh, you know mixes. Sometimes you have to wait and until uh, the um, clay becomes softer, you know, more liquid, and it's it's easier to make a paste. You might, you know, unless I guess you could probably throw it in the in the food processor, which is tougher than the you know harder, stronger than the blender. But uh, clay doesn't like metal. You're not supposed to really use metal when you use clay. You're better mm. off using, you know, up, um, uh, wood or, um, you know, ceramic, you know, ceramic things to mix it with. It doesn't mm -hmm. like, because it has such a, it has such an electrical charge to it. I don't know exactly, oh. but it, the clay's ability to do what it does is not enhanced by having metal introduced. Hmm. Interesting. Hmm. Something magnetic must be. Yeah, yeah, um, and but then I put um, frankincense. I right, put, you know, I remember you saying that. Yep, it's frankincense too, which is a it's a great. It's well, it gives it a, a wonderful aroma, but frankincense in and of itself is a healing agent. So, it, and it and it kind of makes the uh, it makes the mixture blend a little better with a little so bit of oil, essential oil. Um, okay, yeah. so it's so basically we've got aloe, comfrey, comfrey, comfrey leaf or root or both or whatever you, you have. I, I would I recommend using the root, and you know what? You can even reconstitute the root. I mm. would I would I would do if I was using dried root because I have so much comfrey. I just can go I can go out and dig you know fresh root. Mm -hmm. I would probably recommend putting. Uh, like a half a cup of dried root right in the aloe, the, the liquefied aloe, and letting it sit. Uh, letting it for the for the uh, comfrey to be reconstituted through the mm -hmm. aloe, through the water and the and puff it up, and then blend it, and then blend it. So, do you think you could use leaf as well if that's what you had? Oh, Oh, absolutely, and I yeah. do use. I do you use. Do. Leaf. Oh, oh, you're you're talking about dried leaf. Either, I mean, I know sometimes I'm just lazy, and I'm just like, do I want to dig up like like if I in a pinch, like if I just wanted to get because I have tons of comfrey too, but like if I was just going to gather a bunch of, if I just wanted to use throw leaf in there instead of root, I mean, I know it's not as potent. Right, but it's still yeah. potent. Well, yeah. Let me tell you, last time I made a batch was with the with the, the last moon and um it was pods we had gone past the flower in it to do to the pod oh. of the, okay and i i used it anyway i used it awesome. anyway and it was a it was very you know because i'm thinking okay where's the energy in the plant and where's right. the in the plant you know the the pod is holding it at this point right mm. and, and um so i used it but it was so fibrous it was so fibrous that it was, it, it was, it kind of irritated this um, oh. woman that I, I, I shared it with. So, um, but, but right now the plant is dropping back to the great big broad leaves, mm -hmm. the, the great big broad leaves, which are good. Um, I, I love bathing in it too, but what I probably would do at this point would be to um, harvest 
harvest the leaves and um, either use them right away to, to bathe in them because I make a big pot of comfrey tea and dump it in my bath. You know, mm. I love it. Or, or, or just make tea out of it, you know, to drink, mm. but dig up that root dig up the root and, and um, really use that because it's, it's milder on the, on the body, on the yeah. skin and, um, you know, easier to tolerate and it's, and it's, it's more potent. So, so yeah, the comfrey is so easy to grow and <laughs> just like you can, <laughs> you can never really over harvest it. It seems like, because I've been, I've had it, I have it in it. I'd actually jumped ship and, ended up in a section of my garden where it was not invited and um and I can't get it out of there and I've been you know we plan I just it's just constantly have to keep weeding it out but it just it you leave a little piece of the root and it just grows right back again so it's amazing how bountiful it is you know it is but maybe you have a little goat or a little sheep or something you can yeah. take it they, they love it oh my god my horses love it they love oh, it. oh really oh do they oh, oh yeah yeah they know they'll they'll chomp it right down mm. so yeah well thank you for sharing that recipe i know that um that's one of your famous recipes formulations yeah. Yeah. and all the good news about comfrey i've i really i have to say like i i feel like you really um sparked my own passion for comfrey because i was always kind of like oh comfrey 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 and then after you taught that class at the other side i was like i am underestimating this plant he <laughs> said they maligned it they had an they attack. did they Medical, did they had an attack on comfrey because it's so incredibly powerful if you've got something that can that can bind wounds and how about the anti-cancer properties of it? Right. I mean, I've read accounts over the yep. years where you know, uh, you know, people they they ate it, they drank it, they packed it in their mouths, they you know bathed in it and got rid of cancer. And how about something that can also get rid of of um, ulcers? People have been like skin ulcers and pressure yep. sores. It gets rid of that stuff in. Mm -hmm in record time like there's nothing like it it's one of the earliest entries in the first materia medica yes Comfort. yes right yeah you know and so how how can you yeah. and i know in my heart of hearts it was a, it was the, a wise woman's herb it was the matriarch when the matriarchal was 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 in place comfrey was right there on the shelf the guys sure. were, the guys were out there hunting and killing each other and running around and stuff yeah and what were the women doing we were using the comfrey to patch them up right when they totally. came home totally you know? <laughs> yeah That's you know you one. can drink it and ease your pain yeah yeah and good for coughs excellent is... for, absolutely yeah Absolutely. It's a, it, yes, it is an expectorant. Yep. Expectorant, yes. which is very pertinent right now with right. all right. of the stuff that we have going on with mm -hmm. the pandemic. And so maybe now just like segue into the community gardens, which I just visited. Um, and there's two community gardens in the city of Utica that are, were founded by For the Good, which we mentioned in the beginning is one My of the yeah, your nonprofit and um one's on linwood place which is one that i visited 
and the other one is on J Street. Um, and I just have to say, it was, it's, it's more than a garden. I mean, it is a community center. That garden, um, it's a place for people to even just go and be with nature in, in the city of Utica. And I know um, I talked to our mutual friend Sparkle there and she said, I just come here every day and just um, be with the plants. Even if, <laughs> even if you're not in, there's a bunch of herbs, and one of the things I really loved about it was in the corners, there's like wild spaces. And we, you had already left, but we went back and in one of the corners and there was all sorts of stuff. And I know Erin, your garden um, volunteer, um, who's also my garden assistant, has, she's even planted a few little like wild things back there. And we found some milkweed for the butterflies. And yeah, so... There's, there's, there's comfrey. comfrey. Yeah. And there are berries, there are currants, there are grapes. I there saw are... the grapes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so how long has it, have the community gardens been there? The first one was 2008. I believe the second one went in in 2009, maybe 10, but you know, around the, around the same time. They've been there for at least 10 years. This one's been here for 12 years. And so it's basically just open to the community, right? It's just people can come in and, and certain people have plots, right? Everybody, they want. People, yeah. And otherwise there's just an abundance of vegetables that is free, right? Yes. Yes. And um, it's organic. Right. It's organic, which is, which is unique. And it's also, you know, it's just a, a green space, like you say, you know, so many children have never had the opportunity to run around barefoot on the grass, you right. know, roll around on the grass. And we have a little, um, we have a little, uh, you know, unit there that people can have a, a little bonfire, a little, right. bonfire, little fire, you know, whatever. And um, I, I just think it's, it's so vital for oh, yeah. to have access to the land. And in that, it, in that it is, it's a destination, you know, it's a destination. We've uh, hosted, actually we hosted a king. We hosted a king from uh, Cameroon, Cameroon in Africa. Mm. Uh, and, you know, we put up a, a nice uh, tent and, you know, had him there with the, it was, it was beautiful. It was he wonderful. Was, he was visiting Utica or? Yes. And his, yeah. Nephew is a, uh, he's an engineer for Verizon mm. and he said his uncle was coming to town and he asked uh, the, one of the larger clients, you know, if uh, he knew how, how he could re have his uncle received and the guy knew me, the, the white guy, mm -hmm. <laughs> he's, well, anybody can do it. You talk to Cassandra and he did, he came down and we, you know, made a, made a reception for him. And uh, we invited the Oneidas. Mm. To, this, this is, was their land. So we had the indigenous people from whose, whose land was taken from them, meet mm. the indigenous people who were taken from their land mm. and had a beautiful ceremony and welcome. And we had a little drumming going on and it was, was beautiful to see the, uh, the indigenous people connect. Mm. Really, really uh, a special, special time. And with the 
with the plants and the green space and the, and have the nature being the intermediary or the bridge or the thing that yeah. brought them together. And you know, they, they were very impressed. The, the Cameroonians were very impressed with the raised beds because, you know, so often in uh, underdeveloped countries, farming, being able to effectively farm when, you know, land has been stripped and deforested and, yeah. you know, this is a concept that is really strong because just tell them basically just co collect the manure. Don't just let it pollute your region, collect it, let it decompose and put it in these beds. Mm. And they saw it in action. They awesome. saw it. And, and um, you know, I, I, I'd love to go back at, at some point and um, go back. Huh? I've never been there. Um, you know, go to Cameroon. I've been to the Gambia and some other, you know, African countries, but mm. you know, was it was it's a concept that that's strong and I, when I think about places like Haiti that have been devastated by uh, nature and, and mankind over the years you know raised bed gardening is I, I think it's an incredible possibility for, for sure helping Be, you know because contamination with animal waste you contain it uh, the, these beds are they're not flood proof but they are uh, flood resistant, right? You know, yeah. Uh, so it has a lot has a lot of uh, advantages for. And in an inner city, it's almost a necessity because the soils are so contaminated. Often yeah. contaminated. So to have raised beds is is really imperative for organic growing. Well, that's awesome. I want to make sure that we touch on. I don't want to steal too much of your time because I know how busy you are. I want to touch on just for the good is um i don't know if there's anything you want to share about for the good or your other so we've got 95.5 um we've got uh which is phoenix radio we've got the independent newspaper the utica phoenix um that circulates all over the city of utica and has an online presence that i will i will link to the utica phoenix it's also regional. The paper is, is kind of, is a regional publication, actually. We're in Rome. We're down in the valley. We go north and south and, you know, uh, in Clinton and Waterville. But uh, it's a, it's, it's, and it's almost 20 years old. So it's outlast wow. a lot of other publications around and people look for it. So, yeah. and I just feel like it's an alternative to, it's, it's an alternative to like the mainstream sort of narrative. Like there's other things in there that, first of all, things you wouldn't know were even going on in the area that you can find out from the Utica Phoenix. Um, and then voices that might not otherwise be heard. I feel like there's a space um, in the Phoenix to hear from other people. <laughs> and for the good, um, so do you want to just, anything you want to share about for other projects for the good has going on you think people would want to hear about? Yeah, well, the, you know, I think what's significant is that uh, For the Good is uh, uh, at its core a community development agency and that arts is uh, definitely part of what we do and we do well. And as you know, as you know, we produced the Juneteenth uh, hour-long music festival mm -hmm. and the past I've done, I've, uh, you know, produced stage productions, musical, different, different kinds of um, performance arts. And what we're looking at now is to actually we're looking for 
the um, uh, to to do the original concert for children and families that we had had planned for March. So that's coming up. Pierce, I want to talk to you about the next concert coming up. But anyway, I'll I'll, I'll catch you. You're you're going camping. Yeah. Have a good well, time. Give me a call. Okay, I will. All right. Um. Yeah. It's it. You know. It's it's the spontaneity that kind of thing that um. You know. We. You know. You have to capture. You know. When it's when it's when it's when it's right. So yeah. So performance art. You know. Is is you know what one of the things that we do that nobody else can do, and you know music. And arts is uh, an important part of culture. And when you're not, you know, struggling just to keep food on the table or roof over your head, arts is something that is uh, significantly a human endeavor. So sure. uh, we'd like to be able to release, relieve, you know, more of our, our, our residents to be able to, you know, feel like they can exhale mm. and, 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 you know, perform and enjoy the arts. So I will make sure, and you do accept donations, um, yep. and I will make sure to have a link with this podcast where pe folks can go and make a donation, and I highly recommend it. I feel like um, during these times where we've had so much uprising, which has been amazing. And the Black Lives Matter movement has been amazing. And I know there's so many places to donate. It can be overwhelming to know where to donate. And I feel like sometimes just going, looking at these local organizations that are doing profound and life-changing work. Where the feet um, out found. Exactly, exactly. And, and, and in places like the Mohawk Valley, Central New York, um, in the city of Utica, which is post-industrial, you know, twice the national poverty average. I mean, we just get forgotten, you know, it's just like none of the big things are happening here, you know, and so it's like, but there's a lot, it's the fourth largest refugee center in the country, in the United, in the United yep. States. And, um, and so there's a lot of work to be done. And um, there's a lot of important work happening in, and yours is some of it. So um, say too though Lisa first of all thank you for this opportunity and secondly you know um, what we're challenged with here is is uh, we're at the at the tipping point for transformation and there's a lot of resistance like that uh, proposal that the sheriff's department put out about you know making uh, uh, resisting arrest a class D felony you know you oh. can't 25 feet of an officer you know uh, using in, in the line of duty I mean, these are such punitive measures and such issues that directly impact black people. You know, right. uh, not a, it's not about people of color. It's about black people. Yes. And, and, and this, is a, this is a tradition in yeah. America, the way we do business in America. And that there needs to be a recognition of, of that. And, and you know, um, what, what we're doing now is um, basically, developing some greater uh, organization and collaboration in the black community to uh, present, a, to present a, a, a manifesto. Mm. I mean, kind of a manifesto. When you have these kinds of, of challenges coming at you from, you know, uh, people who've traditionally sidelined, ignored, uh, uh, 
belittled uh, and and scoffed at you in, uh, in 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 terms of philanthropy. Okay, philanthropy is a real a real problem right now because mm-hmm. we have a we have a um, we have two entities: the Community Foundation and the United Way, mm-hmm. who are charged with they are charged with this task, and they have presided over the collapse of any effective infrastructure in the city of Utica to be able to respond to those needs by the people who are most impacted. They, they do not give money to black agencies. On, a, on the top of that, they have, they have um, at, at least for the last three years, I believe, uh, eliminated me and for the good for receiving any funds, okay? Yes. And I have, I have, I have proposed, I have uh, submitted more proposals than I can count on, on all number of, of, uh, of projects, the study buddy club, the gardens. I am, I am systematically denied. They have actually written it down. They have committed it to paper and reinforced it. And how the, the, the level of, in, in, of, of racism mm-hmm. in, in those actions is incalculable. You, they are just as unable to see their own racism as the police department is unable to see their racism. For them to deny continually, consistently, and then stand on it as as though they are with, with impunity, with impunity, yeah. is it's, yeah, I'm it's, aware. I'm aware okay. that yeah. Okay. You know, so that's, that's another, you know, and, and if, and, and that's what we're battling. That's one of the things we're battling, yeah. you know, not like black people don't have, uh, you know, issues to deal with ourselves, but yeah. oh, oh, that, that condition is, has been created by centuries of, what did we say? Inequality breeds inferiority, inferiority breeds insecurity and all kinds of, you know, self-hate and self-destruction. So we got to get the, the the knee off of our neck. Totally. And I'm, you know, as a witness, having lived in the city of Utica, grew up in the city of Utica myself, I know I've seen this. Um, and and then the own, the own, uh, my, the actions that I've been in, the social justice actions and whatnot that I've been involved with in the community. Um, I'm, I, I, it's a very, it's an injustice um, that I know um, exists and continues to go on. And for reasons that cannot be explained in any other way other than racism it's just it. I, right it's, and, and they're comfortable in it they're, and they, they feel justified in it and you know so you know we have some we have some um you know responses that need to you know black people are constantly responding rather you know responding to actions rather than take making actions but but you know whenever we do you know which is which could be to complain we're we are punished for it you see right. so you know, but at this time right now, I believe that we can we can uh, present sufficient evidence that will uh, make it impossible for them to deny that the position that they're taking is wrong, in and immoral and unjust, and they need to change. And, and the philanthropic industry is a four hundred billion dollar industry annually, and we are not being uh, well considered or provided for by these by these monies. Absolutely. And yeah, that's why this is so important and why I, um, I hope to um, share this and ask for anyone listening to make a donation to For the Good. 
and greatly uh, appreciate and and our in and utica and these great movements that are happening here and be the resistance and help to support the resistance and yeah and I, it's so inspiring to see even amidst all of that to to see the beauty and the creativity and the connection that i have seen in um the radio station just in the crew at the radio station and the great articles in in the newspaper and the garden so really despite all that i feel that um that there is a lot of hope and that that hopefully things are shifting for the better and they, they are and, and i thank for being that part of the of the process too yeah i hope so. to continue to and thank you for your time you're welcome and i know you're busy and you're juggling like 100 things and i don't know how you do it it's magic for sure magic. Okay. yeah okay cassandra thank you and thank we'll sign you. off and okay enjoy the rest of your day you too bye-bye bye-bye Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Wild Underroot podcast. Music was brought to you by Old Lang Syne, and their Bandcamp link will be in the show notes. Also, if you would like to donate to For the Good, there will be a donate button on the webpage for this podcast at therootcircle.com. Also, if you would like to donate directly to For the Good, you can go to their website, forthegoodinc.org. Thank you for joining us and see you at the next episode.